podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin States in the West End of Richmond, where it is Tuesday, June the 12th, as we record this show. Um, I'm not going to talk to you about Bronco Mendenhall's comments to the Board of Visitors, sad tear sniffle. Um, and honestly, Top 100 camp hasn't started yet, although many of us haven't actually gotten our uh, media credential approvals and whatnot. Um, so I, I think at some point I'm going to be able to go, but, uh, so we won't be talking to you about that either, but today I, I've got a special guest on the show to sort of get into that basketball sort of mode. Um, if you're popular, if you, if you've been around on Twitter, um, one of the more popular sort of, um, basketball minded guys that I follow, um, is the guy I have on the show today. Damian Altizer is, uh, is the uh, co-owner of Driven, uh, training. He is also the, uh, newly appointed, uh, head coach at Stab. Uh, Damon, how you doing, buddy? Doing well, man. Thank you for having me on, Brad. Glad, glad to have you, brother. I appreciate you uh, taking a few minutes and, and 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 giving me some time. Before we get started, let's uh, speaking of that Twitter handle. Let's give the folks uh, your 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 handle before yeah. we get going. It's uh, it's just at Damon Altizer. Uh, my first name, last name, no spaces or any crazy numbers. Just <laughs> first name, last name. And you can also follow Cavs Corner on Twitter, Cavs underscore Corner. Uh, great place for our in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. So the reason, uh, David, that I wanted to have you on and, and kind of like what I said when I reached out to you is I, I think I'm, I'm sort of fascinated um, by the two prongs of my job, right? I have football and I have basketball. And on the football side, um, it is very common for players to play for their high school teams. The bulk of what they do in terms of their recruitments is focused around their high school um, but now that we have the this corner sort of like emergence, so to speak, of seven on seven, and, and that is kind of um, taken on a little bit of a different track. Um, and certainly there are a lot of people who are sort of um, related to the field who would say that 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 is going the way of AU basketball. And then like a, on the other hand, I've got basketball right where high school seasons, it's not that they're discounted, but really the place where you earn a lot of the attention, a lot of the looks from college coaches and stuff is on the AU circuit. You're playing on one of the the top three grassroots circuits. Maybe you're playing on an, um, you know, you have a smaller team, but you're still able to kind of go to a number of events. Um, and then I think, in, especially for hoops, there's a there's a smaller niche and a, that I think is growing, which are folks like like you who who are working directly with the guys, on, you know, on a regular basis. Um, from the, you know, the lower, you know, whether they're younger, they're maybe they're in college even, and, and they're, they're working on their games in the off season. I guess the place I want to start with you, Damon, is talk to me a little bit about, about sort of how you got into doing what you do, um, and sort of what your background is in, in terms of, um, you know, training and how did you kind of become, um, a, a, a basketball trainer? Yeah. So it, um, so, you know, I'd walked on at UVA when coach Leto was here, um, and when I when I had finished up, I actually went. I moved back to my hometown. I had an engineering job, and several several parents reached out and they said, "You know, we know you had played in high school. You're from this area. Uh, you know, you'd, you'd went on and walked on, so you were around, you know, around good players. And at the time, it's when you know J.R. Reynolds was at UVA and Sean Singletary and all those guys. And so parents just kind of said, "Hey, you around these, you know, these type of players would would you be willing to work with, you know, work with our kids?" Um, and so at that time it was, you know, doing the the nine the typical nine to five and I'd go to the gym afterwards and quickly just found that I really had a passion for it. When I was in high school, I'd worked with several guys who did, you know, kind of did the player development thing. Um, so it was kind of it started out with just kind of a side hobby that, you know, that very quickly became apparent that that was my passion. So I started really attending coaching clinics, going to college practices, just trying to grow it and grow it. At that point I never, you know, I never had the 
you know, the dream that it was going to become my full-time job. Uh, and then fortunately now, I guess it's six or seven years later, that's, that is the full-time job being in the gym and putting on basketball shoes to go to work every day. And it, I mean, it all started because a couple parents said, Hey, will you, you know, will you show our kid, kids a few drills? And, and as you said, it's, it's kind of a business and an industry that's grown significantly, especially over the last five years. Uh, so I was very fortunate to come along at a time where you could, you could take it and make it into a business. Um, so, you know, just very fortunate. I met a lot of great people. Um, and it started, you know, in a gym with no air conditioning. And we basically had to sneak into <laughs> at night. <laughs> That's great. Um, with, uh, I, I'm not. I'm not going to ask you to name drop because I, I think I think that's overrated. But I am. I think the people people who are listening probably would uh, would appreciate to know some of the the Cavaliers that you've worked with. So guys who either are on the current team or or recent grads, recent alums, um, who you've worked with who, uh, over the years. Who who are the, who are some of those guys that 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 you've trained with so far? Uh, so the first the first guy who ever worked out was Justin Anderson. Um, he's. I mean, he's such a such a learner and such a, such a passion to get better. He actually saw me working with Coach Richie McKay's kid, who at that time must have been 11 years old, and came up afterwards and said, "Hey, will you work with me?" Um, and I think that just kind of speaks to you know Justin's mind overall mindset. Uh, and then you know most recently, Devin Hall works out or worked out all the way through doing some of his pre-draft stuff here, and then Ty and Jack Salt recently started. Mamadi uh, DeAndre comes regularly. Marco Anthony, um, especially with the team, you know the last two or three years. And I guess it really started with Devin. Uh, for the most part, most of them come. Uh, it's, it's awesome. They compete, they work hard, they want to learn. It's just, I mean, everything you hear about Coach Bennett's, you know, Coach Bennett's program and his kids, these, they, they represent it to the fullest extent, even when, when the lights aren't on and, you know, the interviews aren't rolling. They're, they are those servants uh, through and through. That's interesting. One thing I think folks will probably be curious about is, I think there's a perception Maybe among um, maybe among fans that um, that the that players are with the, the their coaches full time all the time, right? And the reality is not that that there are certain times of the year where they're allowed to practice, and then certain other times where they're they're not allowed to be with them. So somebody like you is invaluable, right? Because you're able to sort of uh, keep them um, focused on their goals and, and kind of striving towards them, but also too. Um, you know, it, it kind of, there's a nice little separation there, right? So that, so that, you know, the, the eyes don't glaze over, you know what I mean? Like there's a good kind of probably ebb and flow to it. When, when you're training with the guys, where are they bringing you the sort of like, Hey, I, I need to work on X, Y, and Z. Are you kind of giving them that feedback? Is it coming from the coaching staff at UVA or, or whoever? Like how, how do those priorities sort of get set for the, for the kids when they come to you? It's kind of a culmination of all of the above. Uh, so usually as soon as the season ends, I'll kind of sit down with some of the coaches and watch film and kind of go over what their their individual goals are for a particular player for the next year. And at the same time, the guys bring, you know, they'll bring their own individual goals because they have their team goals and they have goals that are beyond. Uh, and like you said, that kind of the ebb and flow of if they come to me and all I'm doing is hammering in what they're hearing every single day, then, you know, they may get bored with, with hearing it from me so we can work on their team goals because the ultimate goal year to year is, you know, they want to win national championships, uh, but then kind of building in some of the things that they have, they have in mind that they want to work on, on their own. Um, and coach Bennett's been, you know, when I speak with him or with other guys on the staff, they're all, they're all very supportive of that. And, you know, it's, it seems to work out well because we, we work towards their team goals and their individual goals within the team. But then at the same time, they're hearing a different voice who, 
you know, I'm not obviously I'm not in the locker room every day throughout the season and I'm not there with wins and losses. They see me a couple times a week, you know, during the off season. So it's a it's a different type of relationship that, you know, hopefully, you know, in my opinion, it, it kind of benefits all parties involved, which is you know what, what, what we all want. I, I remember talking to um Gosh, was this Mamadi's? Was it right after Mamadi? I guess it was before Mamadi's redshirt freshman year. And I remember I was I was doing a series of of stories in the preseason that I do with the assistant coaches, and I always try to talk to Mike Curtis. And Mike Curtis told me that he thought that Mamadi was the most athletic kid that he had ever worked with. Um, and I don't think he was being specific about um, college, but I mean, I think he was just being like overall. Um, he is somebody who has caught my attention just in terms of what he's put out in social media this year, or I guess in the last maybe couple months, um, just in terms of his work ethic. I put a, I had a story um, last week that kind of focused on, okay, Virginia has a lot of expectations going into the season. Pretty much everybody has the Cavaliers in the top 10. So what do they need to do to get there? And, and one of the things I felt like was Mamadi really has to take that, that big step forward that a lot of guys take at this point in their careers under coach Bennett. Um, what have you seen in terms of Mamadi's development, both on a grander scale, you know, maybe from the outside looking in and also too in the work that you've, you've done with him? Because I know you, you worked with him when he was younger. What have you seen from him and, and where do you, what, what, what can he do this offseason, you think, to sort of take that, that next step? I think overall, just his overall mentality towards the process and work ethic has, has just taken a huge step forward. Um, and just a, a quick example, we were... He had just finished doing a workout and Ty was doing kind of a ball handling thing right before they went home for the summer. And, you know, Mamadi came over and said, can I, you know, can I do this just to work on my hands a little bit? And I don't know that the Mamadi three years ago would have would have done that. Um, you know, he's he's seeking out extra work. You, you know, if you're following him on social media, he's in he's in Miami now before they come back. And he was texting, asking if there were gyms that he could get in, if we knew anybody down there that he could get with, uh, you know, just the overall mentality towards the work ethic part. I think it's just it makes strides year in and year out. And like you said, this is this is typically a time in Coach Bennett's system where guys make huge jumps. Uh, and I think we kind of started to see it towards the end of the end of last year. You know, he had a couple big games in the ACC tournament, um, and just the expanding with the with the co- increased commitment to that with his work ethic. I think just his overall confidence is going to increase, and then some of the things that everybody sees that he does periodically in practice are going to become more regular because he can. He can shoot it a little bit, and then obviously, like you said, the the athleticism is world class. Um, and it's I think it's his his ceiling is scary, uh, and I think this is the year that everybody's going to see that. I I think I can hear people, even though they're going to listen to this in the future, but like I can still hear them um, wanting to throw things at me because I haven't asked you how Dre has looked, if you've seen him, how maybe Jay has looked, if you've seen him. So I'll ask a blanket question about those two kids, and because they're coming off of injuries and. Obviously, and especially in Dre's, you know, in Dre's um, situation, a huge, huge piece of the puzzle. Have you been able? Have you seen either of those guys this offseason? And, and and what do you know about sort of their development at this point? At this point, uh, I haven't really seen Jay a whole lot. And then, so m- most everybody will come back. I guess next Monday is when their first summer session starts. Uh, and Dre, he was able to shoot a lot throughout throughout the spring, um, and it's kind of. You know, in my in my opinion, it, it could be one of those things. I mean, he shot the ball very well this past year, and then you know, breaking the left hand could could be a huge thing in making him even a better shooter because that's all that he could do the entire spring from you know the end of the NCAA tournament through the time that he went home. And without a, it wasn't a hugely long recovery process or anything long or anything like that. So he was just able to 
basically form shoot over and over and over again. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited to see him when he comes back to just see how well he is shooting because I think it goes without saying, if that's all you can do for several months, it's going to improve tremendously. And, you know, with his work ethic, I'm sure as soon as he went home, and I know when he did it when he was here, like, he was just shooting and he, he couldn't handle, he couldn't do anything else, but he was shooting and shooting and shooting. And I think those results are going to be, you know, pretty phenomenal. One thing that I, I said to you, um, and, and this is this is sort of an, an elementary sort of uh sort of a, uh, I guess, frame on, on, on what you do and, and the impact that it has on the game. But one of the things I said to you, you know, when I reached out was like, Hey, I want to get a sense of like how, um, how, how the thing has changed, how, how, how this thing has sort of grown. And it feels like to me that the work that kids are putting in with guys like you who do what you do, um, is absolutely crucial um, you know, you talk about Dre and him, you know, his, his shooting and, and whatnot. I can't imagine um, a guy like him, um, maybe let's say five years ago, right, being such a, a multi, maybe a multi-skilled player, but being asked and leaned on to do so many different things. The game has has evolved so quickly that not only on the floor are are you know bigger guys asked to handle, bigger guys asked to shoot, but also too off the floor. I think the commitment that they have to put in is 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 significantly bigger it's not just like hey let's run some five on five and just play basketball you know now guys they're 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 honing um you know it's not just like hey i gotta shoot the ball better it's like oh where am i catching and when i catch where's my where's my left foot okay and where how is my balance like all these mechanical sort of aspects of their game you you have to rep it like you have to you have to put that time in the gym and guys like you who are on the front lines of that not just you know making sure the guys you know are doing the right thing but you know repping it with them you know being in the gym how have you seen sort of what you do and the direct impact that it's had like you mentioned Devin Hall earlier um, his workouts at this point are sort of legendary I mean they're not quite maybe Malcolm Brogdon level legendary but like his work ethic and, and just what he puts into it and the what he gets out um how have you sort of seen um the impact directly of of the the time that these kids are putting in with with, with trainers like yourself and and what it does for them on the court yeah i think to your initial point uh you know talking about guys like dre who now have to be very multifaceted where 20 years ago if you were six nine you know you were power forward you were inside and I feel like in the early 2000s when guys like Dirk were coming through and they were saying basketball is transitioning to being positionalists, I mean, now we're we're absolutely seeing that. Because if you're 6'9", 6'10", who knows what position you're going to be. It's going to depend on your skill set, not just your height, where I think before that was, you know, that was different. Um, and, that, you know, with, with workouts there, they have become with some guys uber-specific and talk a lot with the guys about micro skills. And like you said, like getting the left foot maybe a tiny little bit more around because you're shooting a – a slightly smaller percentage coming right to left than what you are left to right. And you're not getting that foot around. And, you know, those little small details are, are so crucial because everybody's trying to get everything that they can to, to get an advantage and they're breaking down film. And if you're not shooting it well that way, then teams are going to recognize that on the scouting report. They're going to try to take advantage of it. They're going to try to force you into those situations where your percentages aren't as high. Um, and so with, you know, with guys like Devin, he was, you know, his, fourth or his third year he was a good shooter and he wants to become a great shooter so we start doing things where makes are only makes if they're all net or he has to make certain amounts in a row and you know ball screens say we're working on ball screens today it's not we're coming in today and we're just going to work on ball screens it's kind of an overarching thing we're really we're watching film and breaking down exact reads and reactions uh, ex exactly like you said these those small details that 
that years ago people just didn't think about. You went to the gym and you worked out. Now everybody's focusing on them, and and data and information is so much more regular. If you aren't if you aren't taking advantage of it and you aren't working on those th- those small things, then you know, things are going to pass you by. And with somebody like Devin, I think it's the type of work that he puts in, the type of detail, the you know the attention to detail, the industriousness. The results go speak for themselves. Here's a kid who going into his fourth year wasn't on anybody's draft boards and now is pretty much on everybody's and it's all a consequence of the work that he put in where you know other guys who may have been in the same position probably weren't but he bought into that process and again I think his results are speaking for themselves you uh you make an interesting point there about sort of the the the, the, that focus, how much of ana- how much analysis and numbers, because it almost seems like these two things go hand in hand, right? The idea that, that now, you know, the idea that nowadays people are so analytical, you know, it's not just, it's not just like what's your shooting percentage or, or what's your, your, you know, how many rebounds do you have per game, but you're digging into, you know, not just plus minus, but there's a lot more in terms of from an ana- analytical standpoint that, that coaches want to know. I know Richie was, was really big into that when he was at UVA. Um, and obviously that's a, that's a, that's a piece that can inform, like you said, uh, if you know, uh, okay, I'm, I, when I'm going this way, I make more shots than if I go that way. So I need to work on this. How much of that analysis and numbers portion really so- sort of marries itself, um, you know, in terms of what the work you do and, and sort of the, the results that you are always striving to get. Yeah. So it, it definitely does, uh, not to the extent that, you know, like the Houston Rockets are where every single shot is broken down analytically or anything like that. But you're kind of sitting down and, and watching film at, at the end of this year with with Johnny Carpenter, who, you know, who's on staff. And, you know, t- you know Ty doesn't shoot as well from this certain spot. So we're going to we're, you know, we're going to work on that. And you know, he doesn't shoot as well coming off of this move. So we're going to work on that. He's exceptional at this. So let's see if we can keep that exceptional or make it even greater. Um so it do, it definitely does play in you know next year's results and in practice you know in our practices in our in workouts try to take into account and make sure that percentages are where we want them to be. It's never we're going to go through a spot and just make fifty shots. It has to be fifty out of you know X amount and shoot a certain percentage. Um, so again, it's it does come into play. It's it's very important, but it's not you know it's not everything. Um, at the same time with the guys, like those numbers are, they are motivating. If we did, a, you know, if we do a certain drill and you go through this series and you hit 55 today and we do it next week, then they're going to want to hit 56 or 57 or whatever. So even just from, the, you know, that motivational mindset standpoint, the numbers are key. But again, they're not they're not everything. I promise I'm going to turn this airplane a little bit in a minute. Uh, but before we bank, I want to talk to a little bit about one other guy you mentioned, Marco Anthony. He seems to be of the of the when I get questions from whether it's people on my message board or folks around town or what have you, Marco seems to be the other guy that I get the most questions about. Um, it 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 it's makes sense to me, right? That because UVA was looking for a a grad transfer as of yet, um, you know, unless something falls from the sky, um, doesn't seem like they're going to be able um, to get one in that sort of you know big guard kind of dev mold. So that seems like to me that they're going to probably lean on Dre more at the three. Um, it looks like in a perfect scenario, Mamadi sort of ascends at the four. Jack continues to um, do his um, Hemsworth impression. Um, I saw that picture on social media the other day, and I'm like, all right, well, he's apparently trying to be an extra in a Thor movie. Um, but uh, but it, Marco could be a really, really important piece for them this year. How much uh, – 
I, I'm not sure how much you worked with him. And if not, maybe we can talk a bit more about like what you see in his game. But overall, sort of where what do you think that next step is for him? And because and, I've heard from a lot of people that he is as hard a worker, um, you know, in that in that sort of Devin you know, Malcolm mold that he, that he will put in the work. Um, what have you seen, heard about him and sort of what's the next step for Marco? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and from my understanding and what I've seen, everything that you've heard is, is just spot on. He's, he's just a, an absolute gym rat. Um, I haven't worked with him a ton. He, uh, he worked out a little bit throughout the spring. I think when he comes back this summer, he's going to get going regularly. Uh, but he is like, if he's supposed to hit a certain number on a drill, like he's going to be there until he hits that number, whether he does it in five minutes, 15 minutes or two hours. And after games in there getting shots and anytime I would, you know, see, you know, come watch a practice. He's somebody who's there afterwards, staying up, staying, getting extra shots. He wants, always wants tons of feedback. He was doing a couple little things mechanically with his shot and whether it's a coach or a manager, whoever it may be, like he wants to, he wants to do it correctly. Um, I'm excited to, you know, in knowing all that and, and having gotten to know him just a tiny little bit this spring, like just personally, I'm very excited to, to see him this summer just to, to really get to see that because uh, kids like that are so, and they're just so fun to be around regardless of what their numbers are, regardless of, you know, what their role is. Kids that work, work to that level are just, they're just inspiring. They're the reason that you, you get in the gym each day. Uh, and I'm, I'm very excited to, to work with them this summer. What's your biggest frustration as we sort of I want to retreat a little bit and, and focus more on like sort of the development side and, and sort of the, the the way that the game is sort of trending. What's your biggest frustration with other folks in your line of work or or maybe even the kids in terms of the the way that they seem to want to put out these highlight videos or these these training videos, which are really showing them essentially doing things that might look good but aren't really impacting their game i get the sense just from you know having followed you on social media that 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 is something that that really like gets at your soul which is the this idea that like you should you should put together uh workouts that look good not necessarily workouts that are actually making a difference in your game but i'll, I'll ask the question more generally what's your biggest frustration with training and and sort of the that development side right now i think from from the player development side uh, my biggest frustration is is guys who want to build a business and aren't really focused on and building players. And in in my opinion, and you know, in my experience, if you go the other route, then the business will kind of will kind of follow suit. If you focus on serving the players and helping them and genuinely investing in them, regardless of whether it's a an eight year old who's trying to make their you know B league team, or if it's Ty Jerome or Devin Hall who are trying to win national championships, if you genuinely invest, then the business is going to follow suit, but just like anything, I think a lot, a lot of guys try to take shortcuts and I mean, Villanova, they focused on finishing off a of two UVA big on finishing off a of two. But if you do, if you put up videos on social media, coming to a jump stop and finishing, nobody wants to watch that. If you do, you know, you do sexier things, people get excited about that. Um, but you're not genuinely serving the players because that's, those are once in a lifetime highlight things that Kyrie Irving does not everyday players. And I think it's, I think in in genuinely, you know, wanting to serve serve the players and having a group of guys that I work with regularly who are, you know, in it for the players on the front lines trying to do things the right way, it can be frustrating when players are sacrificed for the sake of of an individual or for a business. Um, and I'm not I'm not at all trying to say that I do things the right way or the perfect way, but I do think that like putting players first is I mean, it's it's not an option. It's it's what you should do no matter what. 
And I think a lot of guys go wrong and kind of go in the opposite direction and trying to build a business and make money as opposed to actually serving the players. Right. With the, with the game overall, the college game as it, as it currently stands, I, I don't want to say that the, the days of a big man are over because I do think if you watch teams that have big men who, who, who can move, it really comes down, I think, to big men who can score because big men who can't score typically they seem to hurt more than they help. But if a team has a big man who can score, who has good touch around the basket, typically that team is going to be pretty good if he can move his feet a little bit. Um, We've seen a lot of, you know, Jay Huff type players, right? These seven footers who can shoot. I watched this clip of Mo Bamba the other day. I mean, and I've, I've watched Mo enough um, over the course of, you know, different camps and different events that like watching him consistently, you know, making effortlessly, making shots effortlessly from deep just really sort of blew my mind. Um, not necessarily right. from this. I mean, I understand like, you know, you know, what was it? The, the Chinese kid that, 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 uh, that worked out against a chair. Like I, I'm not saying that Mo's workout uh, against air is going right, to right. anybody, but I mean, just that, just that sort of consistency and in, in his mechanics by itself was, was pretty impressive. But I feel like there's this rush. Maybe it's it's part of you know the unicorn movement that all the big men are expected to shoot, um, and there's this sort of pressure that maybe the that the that the game seems to sort of be putting on them, or maybe the folks outside of the game who are you know observers or maybe even fans are putting on them. Um, and at the same time, I feel like guards are expected now to to take crazy shots, um, a la Steph Curry, that they're expected to to be able to make everything, um, and they're ma- and they're supposed to be able to do it. Um, while also generating lots of um, exciting clips and buzz, when you when you focus on you know the, these kids and their games, and you look to, sort of at the trends, what are those trends as you see them, and and good or bad, and and sort of how do you sort of respond to maybe um, some of those trends in terms of the individual workouts that you do with the with the guys that you work out with? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's it is a challenge, like you said, because there is this trend of. And look what Steph Curry's doing. Look what Kyrie's doing. All these, you know, especially, I mean, ball dominant point guards who 20 years ago, it was your Stockton, your Jason Kidd. A point guard doesn't, if they scored 25, like it was, that was, you know, that was kind of crazy. And now, you know, point guards just dominate the ball. Um, So I think it is, you know, it's kind of in seeing those trends and seeing what those guys do, it's, it's pot. You can work some of those things into workouts without getting, you know, without getting outworldly, without getting crazy with it. Uh, you know, it's, and I think with higher level guys, you know, take Ty for an example. I mean, he's, he's studious enough and he's a student of the game to understand like some of the things Steph does, he does because he's Steph Curry and nobody else in the world can do it. I think you run into more of a challenge with 14 and 15 year olds who see what Steph Curry does and then they want the the perfect drill to then be able to go do what, you know, do what Steph Curry was doing. Um, so I think I do think that it is. It's important to obviously continue to always watch watch those guys and see what they're doing and see how how they're using their feet now compared to what they were doing five years ago. How can they manipulate the ball or create more space and then kind of incorporating those into workouts with guys to not be Steph, but kind of emulate what Steph is doing with you know with Ty or with Dev, you know with Dre with their biomechanics to to incorporate it, but not try to copy exactly. Um, so it kind of starts with that, Hey, this is what he's doing. And maybe we'll watch film and then you kind of emulate it and you can kind of add it to your game on your own. If it makes sense. I'm obviously Dre's not going to be doing the things that Steph's going to do as a, you know, an extremely crafty guard. Ty can incorporate some of those things. But again, kind of like I said at the beginning, it's, 
it's seeing those things, kind of innovating with them a little bit to make them their own. Um, but then, you know, with guys like Ty, he understands that he's not going to do things exactly like Steph does, but he absolutely can learn from what he's doing. Is Ty the fiercest competitor that you've worked with? Because he seems like to me one of these dudes that just like at least in our interactions, both when he was a recruit and then once he arrived at UVA and, you know, I'm interviewing after him games and stuff. He just always seems like to me that there is a there is a part of Ty Jerome that he does not let anybody else see um, because he is a competitor and he just he walls that piece off. Uh, Where would he sort of um, I don't want to say rank on that scale because I'm not really asking you to rank them but just in terms of what you've seen from him and the way he sort of attacks his workouts how would you sort of characterize the way that Ty sort of thinks about his game and and how he can be better just like you said absolutely fierce competitor uh your classic hate to lose guy um and it's I think it goes down again like we were talking earlier to those even in those small small details it's not enough for him just to to win a drill if he's doing a shooting drill against Dre or something like that. Like he wants, he wants his makes to be all net. He doesn't want to, if he hits, if he shoots one that rattles around the rim, pops up and goes in, he'll say that doesn't count. Like he's, he's that type of competitor where he's, he's constantly pursuing perfection in what he's doing, uh, especially in workouts. And that, I think that's so important. Like he doesn't just focus on trying to win a drill or trying to get through a drill. Like he really wants to compete and get better at that specific skill. Then obviously in a game you see it. You know he's very vocal. There's just a a fierce competitiveness about him that a lot of guys don't have. I'll get you out of here on this one. With obviously Virginia fans had to had to endure probably the 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 gut punch of all gut punches last year to to be to have as good a season as they had, and then to watch the the UMBC game um, and how everything played out from there. Um, but the kids, I mean, you know, being in that 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 uh, presser that night, I, I just never have, I, I, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no comparison for me in terms of the aftermath of a game. Um, we all read, you know, Kyle's words, um, which I was really impressed that he, you know, that one, that he wrote it, but two, that he decided to share it with the world. Um, as you, as you sort of move forward with these kids going into the, uh, the full off season ahead of them, um, how would you, having been around them and, and whatnot, how would you sort of expect them to respond and sort of to sort of um, adapt to the challenge that will be all of the, not just expectations, but all of the noise around them going into the season? Not only are they going to be a top 10 team, but they're coming off of that loss. How do you expect these kids to sort of respond to that? Just with a, an extremely motivated mentality. Uh, I think they all do such a great job. And obviously it comes from the top and regardless of what the situation is, it's, it's about the next game and you win the ACC championship and you celebrate it. And then, then it's about the next game. And that goes with win wins or losses. And, you know, and the conversations following, following that loss and, you know, building up until workouts in the spring, it was, it was focusing on, on what comes next. And like you said, it was the, the gut punch of all gut punches. Um, but it's a, it's a mature group. It's a motivated group. And, you know, there's, there's no better coach and no better program to be able to handle that and come back with just a, an extreme, you know, fierce resiliency than, you know, than the guys that are, you know, right down the road. I feel like what I'm going to do, Damon, is I'm going to have you back on the show um, before um, the season starts just to sort of talk about what the summer was like and what you saw from the kids from a development standpoint. But I really, really appreciate your time. Um, again, Damon Altizer is the uh, co-owner of Driven Training and also the, the newly appointed head coach at STAB. But Damon, appreciate the time, brother. Um, thank you so much for, for joining the show and, uh, 
and we will definitely catch you down the road. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. If you are somebody who has uh, found the webs, uh, found, excuse me, found the podcast through, um, you know, whether it's uh, the Apple podcast app or whatever, uh, feel free to, to give us a look at CavsCorner.com. We're going to have lots of coverage from top 100 camp at JPJ this week. And surely uh, if you're somebody who is, uh, who is on the site, um, who, who obviously already enjoys all that, um, amazing coverage that I give you. Um, if you will go to the, uh, those apps and, and, and rate the show, that always helps us uh, in terms of um, getting the, the word out. So again, want to thank Damon for giving graciously of his time and also want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. So for Damon Altizer, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.